from my perspective, social media is something that is great for uh, national exposure, global exposure, um, but you can't lose sight of the fact you still have to have that market presence in your local market. And I would bet that probably 80 to 90% of my New York client base does not go on social media. So, you know, I have to be mindful of that and not lose sight of, of doing the very fundamental things of making your cold calls and uh, sending out email blasts and sending out texts and speaking in public and sending hard mail. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Performance Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Calandrino. After a decade of advising investors and business owners, I've met some impactful and influential people along the way. If you're looking to grow, you're tuning into the right show. So today I have Bob Knackle on the show. He's a highly accomplished sales broker and specializing in investment properties in New York City. He's been doing this since 1984 and you lead the private capital group for JLL in New York City. Instead of spending the whole time going the rest of the way through his accomplished resume, I invite you, you could look it up. He's highly Googleable, and now actually on social media, which we'll get kind of into as well. But let's just get right into it. Welcome Amy, to the happy, show. Amy, happy to be with you, and uh, always a pleasure to, to chat with you. Awesome. So for those that don't know you, talk about how you got started in the industry and how you've kind of gotten to where you are now. Okay. Well, I got into the industry completely by accident. As a freshman at the Wharton School in 1981, wanted to be a Wall Street guy, grew up in Bergen County, New Jersey, and drove around over spring break my freshman year dropping my resume off at every commercial bank and investment bank I saw trying to get a job that would look good on the resume. I was in Hackensack and came out of a Payne Weber office across the hall. I saw a Coldwell Banker, thought the place was a bank, dropped my resume off. They called me later that they set up an interview for the following day. They were the only ones hiring college kids for the summer. I almost didn't go on the interview, but uh, when I found out it was a real estate company, but took the job, loved it, went back my next two summers and started with CB in Manhattan when I got out of school in 1984. So uh, total serendipity getting into the business. I just find that's amazing in life sometimes where you have this one idea for yourself and then something else presents itself and then you go with it and you're like, what would I have done? You wouldn't be where you're at today if you're just like, oh, forget about that. Nope. You, yeah. have to, you have to keep an open mind and think outside the box sometime, maybe. Yeah, I definitely think so. So I, and by the way, so one thing I've noticed about you, you have this gift for like connecting the dots. Do you, when do you think you really realized you had that? that gift? What age do you think that was? Um, I think that's one of the secrets to your success. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. That's a, an interesting observation because one of the things that I, I try very consciously to do and have for my entire career is when I saw early on how public policy was so highly correlated to the way the real estate markets functioned, I always, always try to sit at my desk and figure out how different policy was going to impact my ability to sell a building. Mm. Uh, and so always tried to connect the dots between those kind of things and, you know, becoming politically aware and, you know, again, trying to figure out how different policy 
that would be implemented would impact the real estate market and how it would affect me trying to sell buildings. I don't know if I I had that quality yeah. uh, before in uh, in high school or college or grammar school, but uh, certainly I became very keenly aware of, of dot connecting when I got into the business. Yeah, I think you're a very observant person and you can take kind of the information like around you and then figure out how that will impact with you, your clients and all those things. I remember we were just recently together, you know, a few weeks ago, and you were talking about how the migrants in the hotels would like impact potentially even the hospitality market. And I found that was like really interesting. And it's made me pay a little bit more attention to what's happening in my own yeah, well, if you think about it, I mean, in New York, uh, o- over 10% of the hotel rooms are now occupied by migrants. So think about what the impact would be if occupancy within the office sector or the retail sector or the multifamily sector all of a sudden was impacted to the tune of 10, 12%. That, that's a very, very tangible impact on the marketplace. So you know, I think you, you have to look at how different things are affecting different markets and what the impact will be, what that will do to, to pricing, what it will do to rents, what it will do to the way the markets function. But it, it's so interesting how everything is so uh, interconnected. It is interesting. One thing that stood out to me is just like your candidness and your authenticity and in, in talking about how even when you started your firm, if you had started it just as soon as you wanted to have started it, that things would have turned out completely different. And that goes back to like the serendipitous. Um, I have actually your baseball card here and you can kind of see, you know, market changes and everything like that. But can you talk a little bit about your, how you develop this resiliency to kind of make it through these things? And and how did you come up? How did you do that? Or is it just innate to you or build yeah, or Amy, what do you do? I, you know what I, I think that, you know, when I when I talk about the qualities that I, I think people who really excel in our business have, uh, passion for the business is, mm-hmm. is one of those key ingredients. And yes. the reason why I think it's so important is because no matter how good you are at this, everybody, everybody is gonna have tough times. And yeah. I think it's the passion for the business that enables people to keep fighting, keep plugging away keep doing the very fundamental things you have to do every day and every week and every month to succeed. And, you know, for me, I just, I really truly love the business. And so I think that uh, a combination of that and in the early days when, you know, things were really precarious during the SNL crisis in the early nineties, I think we just didn't know any better. You know, you, you feel invincible when you're, uh, when you're young and you're hungry and, you know, you're out there trying to, to make your way in the world. And I think a combination of really loving it and not knowing any better kind of served me well in that we just kept plugging away, kept doing it. And, you know, fortunately, we we're able to make it through that very difficult time. I, I just feel like that's that's amazing. I, I found like in my market, sometimes you can tell which people are really passionate about it and which ones like aren't sometimes and it shows. And because I think if you are passionate about people, you know, and properties and all of that, that it's uh, very beneficial and help to be much more successful. So are you still doing your concrete thoughts column? Uh, I do it not as, as frequently as I did. I probably write once a month now and I like to do it a little more frequently, but you know, I have this, uh, this thing called social media that's taking up a lot of my writing time. So, uh, you know, I, I generally, uh, I'm very lucky. I have, uh, 
Mo Regalado uh, is my social media manager, and she does an awesome job for me. But I still write all of my own content. And I generally mm-hmm. write that on the weekends and the weekends when I used to spend time writing the Concrete Thoughts article. So uh, still doing that article maybe once a month or so, once every three weeks, but uh, busy writing content for social media for some of that uh, spare time kind of work. I, I find that that's a blend. Yeah, I used to write much more, many more blogs for my my corporate like website, but then balancing it with social media because I too anything that comes from me goes through is goes through my filter. So, you know, it's not something you can really delegate. I think it would show that if it's not your voice, especially someone, you know, knows you. Now, how long have you been doing that? That was a lot. That's been a long time. Concrete thoughts. Yeah. Uh, started writing it in 2009 when Jared Kushner purchased the New York observer uh, mm-hmm. and he created the commercial observer, which became just uh, solely dedicated to, real estate. And, you know, I had been writing a, a weekly message to my client base. Uh, it's mm. called, I think we called it message from the chairman back in those days. And it was just a, a, a two page commentary on what was happening in the marketplace. And I guess, you know, Jared was on the list. I think he, he really enjoyed getting those. And so he called me up one day and said, Hey, Bob, I'm buying the New York observer. Uh, I'm going to turn part of it into a strictly real estate paper would love for you to write for it. And I did. I wrote a weekly column for many years. It was a weekly column that was 2000 words back in the old days. Wow. You know, today the uh, the average column is about 750 words, about half a page, but I routinely really? do two full pages, you know, 2000 word columns and did that weekly for quite a while. I think I've written, you know, close to 400 articles for the Commercial Observer over the years, but it's, uh, it's been a labor of love. I love, uh, I love talking about the real estate market, writing about the real estate market. And there's also a tangential benefit to doing it is that it, it gives you talking points uh, for the week mm-hmm. to, uh, to talk to your clients about because clients are always interested in hearing what's going on. So, you know, the basic Concrete Thoughts article has has three main main points in it, three main takeaways. And, you know, those are great talking points for the, the cold calls that we make every day. That's incredible. Yeah. And how do you like, do you keep track of your thoughts throughout the week? Do you kind of like jot them in your phone, like what you think it's going to be? And then I just I jot everything or? on paper, Amy. I'm about oh, as, as analog as, as exists <laughs> yeah. in the market. And, uh, you know, I, I write things down on paper. Rightly yeah. or wrongly, that's just what I'm comfortable doing. No, I have a day timer. It's fine. I, I, I literally use a day timer. Uh, I had on my podcast not too long ago, someone who was like one of the COOs of Disney and he had like 40,000 people under him and he has time management magic. And he has this whole methodology to use in the day timer. And I actually use it. And then at the end of every month, I file away the month that I have. But I And then I highlight as I go through things. And I make some notes on my phone, but... Just as I'm thinking about things, I'm a paper person, so mm-hmm. we're 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 not alone. Okay, great. <laughs> so you've been really, really successful. Have you have you had any haters or people that have not been so so kind to you? And if so, how do you handle that? Yeah, you know what? So we're talking I, about I mindset. Say, I've been uh, been very very lucky. Really? Okay. And I I think uh, part of the the reason for that is. You know, when it comes to clients, I've always tried to treat clients like family. 
Yes. And give them advice as I would give a family member. So I think that that served me well. And then, you know, in the in the investment sales world, unlike the mortgage brokerage world, for instance, where brokers don't work together, oftentimes we cooperate. And we've always had, you know, back in the Massinacle days, it was our firm policy. We would co-broke every single deal, mm. split the commission 50-50 on everyone. We always thought that was absolutely in the best interest of the client. Our client was always the seller. And so we uh, we developed great friendships and relationships with other brokers who are the the ones that I guess would be more inclined to, to not be such a big fan. But we, we always tried to uh, to embrace the, uh, the our competitors out there. And, you know, I think one of the things that that uh, leads to a happy life is an abundance mindset. You know, there are 165,000 investment properties in New York City. There is way, way enough to go around for everybody. So, you know, I think if you if you have the zero sum game mentality where every win for you is a loss for me, I think that's a horrible way to live. I think you probably are much less happy than someone with the abundance mindset. But, you know, here there there truly is enough to go around for everybody. And if you approach it that way, then, you know, you can uh, you can befriend people who you may be competing with one minute and uh, having a beer with the next. So, you know, it, I think that's been kind of my uh, my approach over the years. Yeah, I try to just kill them with kindness. I have had, you know, some instances where people are not so happy for my, you know, coming up like in Orlando. And I don't know why that is because I try to be, you know, kind and cooperate and all those types of things. And so I was just curious, you know, as you have kind of come up, but I think the same thing. I think if you have that abundance mindset, you're cooperating and I treat my clients as if they're family and they kind of become part of the fold that uh, that's the way to do it. But I have had, had some, but not as many. You received your bachelor's in economics from the Wharton school. Was that as much helpful as actually being out in the field or did that influence uh, your career at all? No, you know, I, I, I think that uh, certainly I am extraordinarily proud that, uh, that I, graduated from the Wharton School. And uh, I just, I wish, truly, my one regret about college is that when I was there in the early 80s, uh, we didn't have social media of any kind or really any way to stay in touch with people who I'm sure that, you know, at this point, a lot of the, the folks that I went to college with are CEOs or CFOs or COOs of, of companies that I could be working with. But you know, you kind of lost touch with them because you don't have the the ability to communicate the way you have today. So, you know, I think that uh, that's a regret that I have. But, you know, I really think that uh, for the real estate business or any sales job where you're constantly dealing with people, I think that uh, education regarding uh, psychology, human behavior, persuasion, mm-hmm. likability, salesmanship, I think that those skills go a lot further towards success uh, in the world than, you know, knowing whether prepaid rent is a debit or a credit on a balance sheet. So, you know, I I think uh, certainly I'm very proud of my my education, but I don't think it's been nearly as as helpful as the real world experience 
of reading, uh, reading about these different topics that I just mentioned. You know, I have a suggested mm-hmm. reading list that I send to young people that I think is is tremendously accretive towards becoming successful in the business. And I think that those types of life skills are much more accretive to success in the business world than an academic education is. I would agree. So, and I'm an English major, so (laughs) that's like the furthest thing away from finance. And what do you think would be one of your top books for like psychology of selling or persuasion? Well, uh, persuasion, certainly, I, I think the number one expert in the country on persuasion is Dr. Robert Cialdini, who's the head of the psych department at the University of Arizona. He's written several great books about persuasion. I think when it comes to business generally, you know, I think Good to Great by Jim Collins is a fantastic book that is so insightful. Uh, I love the uh, Dr. Benjamin Hardy and Dan Sullivan books, 10X is Easier Than 2X, Who Not How, The the Gap and the Gain. So many great books out there. If any of your listeners would be interested in getting my suggested reading list, you just email me at bob.knackle at jll.com. I'm happy to send you a copy of it. But that's the kind of stuff that I think gives you skills that you can turn into actionable items and uh, you can make money with. How do you, how do you find as, as much as you do, how do you find time to read? Is that more like in the morning when you're working out before you go to bed, the weekend or yeah, just big, as you big have fan of, uh, of books on tape or audible. Oh. Great to listen to when you're, uh, you know, doing some mindless kind of work. Uh, you can pay attention to that stuff and pick things up. But I, I tend to like to, to uh, listen to the books uh, poolside or when I'm just relaxing because I'm often taking notes. I love to take notes, write things down so I don't forget them. And you know, I think that's, that's something that's worked, worked well for me over the years. Oh, that, that's a good idea. So, because I was like, I don't think you'd have time during the week. I, you seem to go like an energizer bunny from uh, when you work out until you wrap up your day. If you do or don't have a dinner or engagement that night or maybe multiple. <laughs> so what's a piece of advice you'd have for someone who's just getting started in the real estate business now? Because we are at a point with, you know, the Fed rate and, you know, all of those different things. And so it might give someone some pause. What would be your advice to them? Yeah, Amy, I think whether we're in times like we're in now or we're in great times or any time, I think the best thing someone can do entering the real estate business is to really become an expert at a niche within the market. Specialization is the easiest way to differentiate yourself you know, in any market, there are hundreds or thousands of people trying to do what we all do. You have to separate yourself from the pack and specialization is the easiest way to do that. That enables you to differentiate yourself and that differentiation leads to a competitive advantage. So I tell people, you know, focus on one thing as, as tightly defined as possible, as narrowly defined as possible so that you truly can become an expert. Now, clearly that niche has to be big enough so you can make a great living, uh, but you want it as narrowly defined as possible so that you really can articulate a value proposition and really be a true expert and know everything about your marketplace. 
We talked a bit about that when I saw you in New York, and you'd be very proud of me. I have been not taking as many assignments. And I, I for now, I think I'm going to trap focus on a very tight geographical niche. Because for me to pick one product type, I'd have to go further out and my stage in life, that would be too hard. But working on that, and we'll see how that goes over the next year if I want to stay that course. But already met with a couple of people that own each like a half dozen properties in that particular area. So we shall see how that goes. I, I agree with you, though. I think I think if you're all scattered, then it's hard to differentiate yourself versus someone that knows knows it very, very well. So yeah, I use always, always use as an example. Let's say you're, uh, you're out playing tennis and you tear your meniscus in your knee. You go to one doctor and they say, oh, yeah, I've done, uh, you know, dozens of meniscuses in the knee, but I also do ankles, elbows, shoulders. You have any kind of problem, I can take care of you. Or you go to somebody and says, I've done 10,234 knee meniscus surgeries. It's all I do. Who are you going to go to? The, the expert. So, yep. I, I totally agree with that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about social media because you've been doing this so long, almost 40 years now. It's obviously much different. Wh- how have you felt that starting to do a lot more social media has been beneficial for you and your clients and, or, or what, what have you been, been your impressions of it? Yeah, well, I, I was uh, a naysayer about social media for a long time, and mm-hmm. I will be the first to admit I, I decided to give it a try based sheerly on peer pressure. Folks telling me, hey, Bob, you have a lot of great stories to tell. You should go on social media. It's great, whatever. So January 1st of this year, I agreed to give it a try. I was going to try it for three months, see how it went. And I have to tell you, Amy, the, the relationships that I've made, the opportunities that I've gotten, through social media have been really eye-opening. I'm a big believer in it now. I think like all things, you have to find the right cadence because you Mm -hmm. literally could be on these social media platforms all day long and not get anything done. So you have to kind of find your your proper frequency and cadence and how you're going to fold it into a broader market presence campaign. Uh, And I think for me, the... I was doing social media before social media even existed uh, with the nature of the the hard mailings that we sent Mm -hmm. out all the time and the market reports and constantly creating market presence pieces to stay in front of our client base. Um, You know, I think that from my perspective, social media is something that is great for uh, national exposure, global exposure. But you can't lose sight of the fact you still have to have that market presence in your local market. And I would bet that probably 80 to 90 percent of my New York client base does not go on social media. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I have to be mindful of that and not lose sight of of doing the very fundamental things of making your cold calls and uh, sending out email blasts and sending out texts and speaking in public and sending hard mail, which I think is a very uh, underutilized and oh, underappreciated yeah. way of getting in touch with folks. You you had my baseball card before, you know, pieces like that. I mailed out about 25,000 of those. They have tremendous shelf life. I go to clients' offices and it's sitting on their desk <laughs> or on their, on their, you know, counter in, yeah. their, in their office. And so you, you want to make sure that you're conscious of, of moving down the field on all fronts you can't just rely on one thing. It's kind of a mosaic of mm-hmm. market presence. 
and you need to be doing all things. There's no one thing that is the be all and end all. I think it's the combination of everything that creates the market presence that you need if you want to remain top of mind with your client base all the time. It's interesting you say that. Um, actually, Dr. Benjamin Harding sent me like a few dozen of his books and I mailed them to several of my clients with a handwritten note. And the the feedback I, I received from that was just so you know positive. But I'm a huge fan of, you know, I have a drawer of stationery where I send notes or my, my team will do that. And I always felt like that was uh, something that differentiated me, especially, you know, being I'm considered a millennial, I guess. Uh, but um, I think one of the things about sending out something like this is people always remember how you make them feel. And if you make someone feel important in your relationship with your clients or, or otherwise, uh, that, that can be very helpful. And like, you know what I mean? And how is anyone else going to come into that relationship when they feel so supported by you or, you know, however that is. Yeah. But Awesome. But yeah, I agree. I can't let social social media could take up my whole entire day. But <laughs> so I have to just keep to maybe like a half hour a day is about what I do a little bit in the morning and a little bit at night. I'm usually not on social media during the day. I catch right. up later. Is that like you too? Yeah, I try to uh, squeeze it in at times where I just can't do uh, yeah. anything else. And, you know, most important thing we all have to do, we have to take care of our clients. We have to yeah. be marketing the properties that they trusted us to sell and always trying to achieve the the optimal results for them. And being on social media doesn't do that. So, you know, again, you have to pick and choose what you do when. And, uh, you know, I find that on a Saturday or a Sunday morning, it's the best time for me to write all my content for the week. And then I can really focus on uh, clients' objectives during the week. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add? I just, I've, I've found you to have just a very positive re resiliency about you and just love, love your story and what you've done and thought it would be a great fit for the podcast. But is there anything else you want to talk about? Well, thanks, Amy. I know, you know, I just think that this is such a great business. I love, I think every year that goes by, you see folks getting interested in real estate at younger and younger ages. And I think that's a great thing. It's a fantastic business. The the ultimate meritocracy, I think, where, you know, you get out of it what you put into it. And uh, I've always loved that about the business. I just think it's such a uh, such an incredible uh, business that, you know, people can really thrive in, make a great living at and love everything about it. So uh, I'm so, so happy that, uh, you know, I made that mistake of thinking that Goldwell Banker was a bank many years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's funny though, the serendipity. And actually today, this recording is the four, first four, four years to the day when I first even heard your name for the first time when you were at uh, Rod Santomasimo's conference. So I thought that was really funny. And since then I have uh, two kids and bought a building, sold that building, you know, I've done hundreds of transactions and, and then you've done such, we've had a pandemic. We've had so many things happen, but then somehow full circle, we got in front of each other at the CREI summit. So I think that's kind of cool that it ended up happening that you picked the same day you first were talking. So yep. yeah, got we are, <laughs> well, awesome. What's the best way for people to connect with you? 
Yeah, best way is is always by uh, email. Again, bob.nackle at jll.com. Nackle is K-N-A-K-A-L. And, you know, reach out to me by email or you can always DM me on social media. I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn and Instagram, Facebook. Animo has me on everything. So, you know, you can find me there and always feel free to reach out. We'll have to, in the show notes, include Mo's information as well as your email and that you'd be happy to provide the suggested reading list. So, well, it's been a pleasure having you. And this is Amy Calandrino signing off.